We have an opportunity this morning to continue our series called Get Over It. Somebody turn to somebody else and say, get over it. Man, that felt good. Some of you have been dying to say that for a long time. Get over it. It's, it's easy to say get over it. It's a lot harder to get over it. Last week we discussed the idea that God's presence is more important than our performance. We talked about perform, or presence over performance. But today we're going to talk about even something that might even stir even more of us in our hearts. Today we're going to be talking about healing over hurt. Whew. Some of y'all need that in this place this morning, am I right? <laughs> healing over hurt. You know, I, I'm hurting right now in my body. I ran a lot yesterday. I'm, I'm hurting my legs. Look, I, I'm, my legs are kind of short, okay? I, I'm 6'2 on tops, 5'2 on bottom, okay? I'm kind of built weird, okay? But, but the thing that hurts on me more than my legs is my arm. About a, uh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, Pastor Henry and I were carrying something. And as I was carrying it, it was real heavy. It was a desk. As we were carrying it, I carried a little bit longer than I probably should have. And I strained a tendon right in the top of my arm. Anybody ever strain a tendon? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And, and it's so weird, too, because I can reach down and I can pick up something really heavy if my hand is like this. But the second, I mean, I'm talking about really heavy. I can lift weights like this, but I can't reach over and grab my bag when my hand is turned like this and just pick it up because a tendon is strained right there. And I, I did what anybody here would do try to figure out how to fix this. I got on Google and I Googled it and it turns out that, I, <laughs> that I'm in real bad trouble. <laughs> but after I kind of got through the first like playing doctor online, I realized something is that, is that it's really easy uh, to fix this. It just takes a long time. I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, mash up, mash on it a little bit, kind of, kind of work through that tissue. They, they've made these armbands, these compression bands I can put on that'll help hold that tendon in place, uh, uh, while I do things so that I, it'll alleviate pain and won't cause it to strain any longer. There's, it just takes a lot of time. But to this point, I've been unwilling to put in the work, put in the effort to try to, to try to help this feel a little bit better. I, instead, I just go around about my business and every once in a while have excruciating pain. Anybody relate in here? <laughs> every once in a while. It's okay, I can deal with it. Every now and then I'll reach down and pick something up, I'll go, ooh. And then I, I'll not do that anymore. Okay, but, but the... But there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. If that's in your body, you know how to fix that. You can do that. But, but life and our emotions are kind of like that, aren't they? That's the picture that we get when we have hurt in our lives. We can have a, a hurt, a pain in our heart, in our life. And when we don't take the time that, it's necess that is necessary to try to bring healing to our heart and bring it to the Lord... It doesn't heal right. 
And so as we navigate through life, every now and then we bump up against something and remind ourselves of the pain that we have. The pain is the thing that controls us. The, the pain is the thing that keeps our distance in our relationships because we say, oh, I don't want to hurt anymore. The pain is the thing that isolates us. The pain is the thing that drives us in, in our behavior from, from being open and loving to being pulled back and irritable and angry and hurt and bitter. The pain is what causes even more injury in our lives. But I thank God, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14, the human spirit can do, endure a sick body, but who can bear a what? You're telling me that the Bible says that it's easier to deal with a sick body than a broken heart. How many of you agree with that? Good, you're agreeing with God right now. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> See, heart pain is, is horrible. It hurts so bad. It controls us. It causes us to change the way that God intends for us to live. If you and I get cut right now, We'll probably go to the emergency room. They'll stitch us up really nicely. And then in a, just a little while, it'll be over and done with. But when we get burned, when we get burned very seriously, we go to the hospital and instead of stitching us up, they'll, they'll begin to scrub out the wound and they'll and they'll cover it because the wound must heal from the inside out and today I want you to know something that the Lord desires to heal us from the inside out from the burns and the heartache and the pain and the hurt that we've all experienced in life because the truth of the matter is is that we will all face hurt in our life if you believe that say amen we all face these things because either in the past or in the future or right now or all three, we will face pain. It's so easy nowadays. Have you noticed this to be offended? You offended me. Be offended. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's my personality leaking out. Excuse me. But it's so easy for us to be offended. It's so easy for us to get hurt. It's so easy because people can say things or do things. Even if we discover that people think things about us, it can break our hearts. They can do things that injure us physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, that cause us to be gripped with pain. I'm never talking to that person again. Some of you are like that. Some of you are exactly opposite. I will let them know I'm hurt. I know both of you. <laughs> but I, 
I need you to understand this morning that as people of God, we must learn to get past our hurts and our pains. We must learn that there is healing over hurt. It's not easy. It may even be the hardest thing that you've ever done in your life. But what if I told you that there were steps that you can take to overcoming your hurt? We must learn how to do one thing. Forgive. Look at somebody say forgive. Some of you need to forgive in this place this morning. You see, when we forgive, it releases us from the past hurt and the pain of our lives. But it can be very difficult because not all of us really understand what it means to forgive. We don't really know what it means to forgive and we don't realize that forgiveness is not linked to our emotionality, but instead forgiveness is a command by God. We are called to forgive. But forgiveness, what is it really about? Forgiveness is about one thing. It's about freedom. That's what forgiveness is. Jesus came to give us freedom. You see, forgiveness isn't a divine suggestion. It's a divine command. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Oh my. When we are hurt, when we experience pain, when we experience bitterness, anger, rage, and we want to do something about it. So easy is it for us to forget that we were forgiven for more than that by God through Christ Jesus. And as easy and as freely as we were forgiven by God through Christ, that's what God is requiring us, that you and I forgive just as easy, just as free so that we ourselves may continue to be forgiven. But we need to understand what forgiveness is not this morning. Forgiveness is not making the problem smaller than it really is. Making this problem smaller than what it really is. Somebody's hurt you deeply. And what do we say? Oh, well, uh, that's okay. That's all right, don't, don't worry about it, it's fine. I'm, I'm fine, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. My heart's broken, I'm dying inside, but I'll be fine. Forgiveness is not making it smaller. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is not trust. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Forgiveness is not trust. You see, forgiveness is required instantly by us. That's an act of grace, the same grace that God had on each one of our lives. But what is trust? Trust takes time. That's an act of works. 
And there's a balance between grace and works. You and I, we have faith and we have faith in God. But James tells us that faith without works is what? Dead. My goodness, we're Bible scholars this morning. Woo! I could tag team any one of y'all up here to come preach for me. The fact of the matter is, is that when we forgive, we are not required to trust. That trust has to be earned. It has to be built back up over time. Forgiveness is not acting like it never happened. Forgiveness isn't acting like it never happened. Resuming the relationship as if it didn't occur. Forgiveness is not that. But see, that's what forgiveness is not. But you and I, we need to explore why we should forgive. So why should we forgive? God has forgiven us. That's reason number one. And if I stopped there, that would be good enough. God has forgiven us, so you and I should forgive others. But can I, can I give you a second reason? Bitterness doesn't make us better. I'm going to let that sink in for just a second for some people in here. Bitterness doesn't make us better. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And it's not helping you, it's hurting you. It's drawing and sucking the life that God wants to give you away. Bitterness isn't working. And just because I'm a preacher and I have three points, I'm going to give you a third reason. Because you're going to need to be forgiven in the future. <laughs> because on, in every instance of pain, there is a pain inflictor and there's a pain taker. And you and I, we play on both sides of the coin. And so you and I are challenged to both receive our healing and to ask for forgiveness. My son, Roman, he is a little over one and he's walking really well now. And when I say really well, I use that term very loosely. But it was a joy to watch him begin to learn how to walk. He had this, um, he had this habit. He would hold on to the coffee table. And he would stand there for a little while. And he would kind of exercise his legs. And then, and then he would let go of the coffee table with one hand. And he would just hold on to it with the other. And he would just stand there. And you should see his eyes whenever he would just drop his hands. And he'd look real big with his eyes and look around. And then he'd go. And grab it, hold it, hold on again for dear life. But then he would, he would let go and he'd stand there. And then he would take a step. And he would sit down and he'd crawl back and he'd stand up and hold on for dear life. Like he did something wrong. And then he would let go and he'd take two steps and he would just stand there and he would be amazed that he didn't die. 
and he'd look around for a little bit. And I'm telling you, the kid would stand there for like a minute or two, just like, still okay, good. Everything's working. And he'd sit down because he was tired. And he'd crawl back to that coffee table. But eventually, he would let go of the coffee table. He would turn and he would take off walking. God help him if he had to change direction, but he would take off walking. (laughs) And he learned how to walk. And just like that, you and I must learn how to walk in forgiveness. Many of us have been holding on to that hurt and that pain because it brought stabilization in our lives. Did you know some people like hurt? Some people are used to hurt in their lives. Did you know that some people don't know how to live life without hurt? Without injury? Without feeling like they've got a problem with somebody? Anybody know somebody like that? Don't raise your hands. Oh, put your hand down. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, is that God has called us to walk in forgiveness, to let go of the hurt and the pain and begin to put one foot after the other. What if I told you today that you and I could take four steps to learn how to walk in forgiveness? If I told you you could take four steps to learn how to walk in forgiveness, would you you let go of the hurt? Would you let go of the pain? Would you begin to walk with me in a path of forgiveness this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, get ready to let go because the first thing that you and I must do is acknowledge the hurt. Acknowledge the hurt. Turn to somebody and say, acknowledge the hurt. As you turn in your Bibles with me to the book um, of uh, Genesis, we're going to be looking at chapter uh, 45, chapter 45. Many of you are familiar with the story of Joseph. And you're going to have to listen and lean in on purpose because the story of Joseph, I could, I could do a whole teaching series on Joseph and only do a mere overview of it. And in th- this morning, I just need to very quickly touch on some of the highlighted areas. I need to stay very close to my notes for this so I, because I want to go off on tangents. And the truth of the matter is, is there are some people in here that don't do good off on, on no lunch. So Joseph was the youngest of 11 brothers, Jacob and Joseph. Uh, Jacob had Joseph in his old age and he played favorites. So he bought him a nice robe, uh, a robe of what? Many colors. And it was beautiful. And his brothers hated Joseph for it. So they decided to sell him into slavery in Egypt. And Joseph's life was filled with many twists and turns after that betrayal by the closest people in his life. He worked as a manager in Potiphar's house. He was accused of of, of, of being inappropriate with Potiphar's wife. He was sent to prison and and he he, uh, interpreted dreams and he grew in in his status at the prison to run the prison just under the prison guard. How many of you would know that somebody has to be trustworthy and good at what they do if the prison warden turns the prison over to a prisoner? Guy's pretty trustworthy pretty good at what he did. 
But yet he remained in prison for years. And eventually he was released because he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh that uh, Egypt was going to be in famine. And because of that, Pharaoh gave him a position, second in command in all of Egypt in charge of maintaining and distributing all the food in Egypt. Second in command under Pharaoh from being sold into slavery. What an incredible life. But because of the providence of God, Joseph's brothers came to him to get food. And they didn't know it was Joseph, and they stood before him. And that's where we pick up in our story. Genesis chapter 45, starting in verse 1. Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out of you, uh, out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. Just a few verses later, we find out that Joseph, standing before the people that sold him into slavery, with all the power and all the ability to change the course of their lives or even end them, Issued forgiveness. Issued forgiveness. But I want to I want to look at this for a moment because isn't it funny that no matter how big, no matter how important, no matter how far you've made it in life, something that happened in the past can be so controlling in our lives that it can grip us with emotion and cause us to separate and push away everyone around us. My son, so funny. If he gets hurt, even if he like stubs his toe, he will take off running through the house yelling, like, it's the craziest thing. He will hit something, and then he'll just take off running like he's trying to get away from the pain. Oh! I'll put my arms out, and I'll say, come here. And then he'll look at me, and he'll say, no. <laughs> like, I didn't do it. You did. Why are you mad at me? I'm trying to help you. But as, as, as immature as that reaction is, it's perpetuated through all of our lives, isn't it? We're hurt. And we have pain. And all we want to do is run away. We don't want to sit there and face it. We don't want to acknowledge the pain. So we hold it away from everybody and we hide it because we don't want anybody to see it because it hurts too bad for ourselves. Some people need to remember that hurt people hurt people. And whenever you're hurt, you begin to push other people away and injure other people around you. But God has called us to stop and acknowledge the hurt and the pain in our lives because he wants to heal you, but he can't until you start to deal with it yourself. 
There's a cycle of masks that we wear. As we grow closer to Halloween, I can't help but see the resemblance here. The masks that we wear to cover up the emotional trauma in our lives. Someone hurts us. And because someone hurts us, we put on a mask of anger. Because anger helps us not to feel hurt. But because anger takes up so much energy and so much focus and it makes us so tired, we can't stay angry forever. And so we put on another mask of avoidance. And we wear that avoidance like it doesn't bother us any longer, that we've dealt with it in some way, shape, or form. But every now and then we bump into it and it hurts all over again. And so we put on another mask of bitterness. But bitterness doesn't make us better. And so inside of our, our minds and our hearts, we cry out for for a resolution to resolve the hurt in our lives. And so we become passive aggressive. Anybody know somebody passive aggressive? Where do you think that came from? A hurt that you're trying to cover up. And when we are passive aggressive by nature for so long, we can't control it. Sometimes it just kind of blows up and we blow up in angry outbursts that don't make any sense and it injures other people and then we are injured again. And it's the cycle of mass placing the mass on and we're not willing and we're not ready just to take it all off and stand in the midst of our hurt and acknowledge that there's a pain on the inside. Somebody needs to understand this morning that if you don't bury something, something's going to bury you. If you don't bury the hurt, it'll bury you. You have to face it in order to forgive it. You have to face it in order to forgive it. Number two, we're just doing baby steps right now. We've taken the first step and we have, what do we do? Anybody? Somebody help me out. What do we do? <laughs> we acknowledge it. <laughs> Glad I can read. <laughs> the next thing that we must do is take another step of surrendering it. We have to surrender our right to punish others. But that really all comes down to the personality types that we have, doesn't it? How we punish people for the hurt in our lives comes down to our personality type. Some people like to be assertive. <laughs> we, like my wife, is very assertive when she is hurt. She will let me know. I kind of like that. I always know where I stand with my wife. But sometimes people take it out of balance because they begin to yell. They begin to be violent. They begin to do things to themselves that are hurtful. And that personality type not only can be destructive to others, but themselves. Some people manipu uh, manipulate. We can try to use our own emotional state to make other, other people feel bad and even do things to try to work themselves 
uh, make them do things to try to work themselves out of debt with us. But guess what? When we hurt, nobody can ever do enough to make you feel better. So manipulation doesn't work. Avoidance, we already talked a little bit about that. That's burning, bridge, uh, burning bridges, unfriending people, unfollowing them, unliking them. It's hiding behind the clothing rack when you see them at Walmart. <laughs> it's the silent treatment. It's changing the subject from the hurt and the pain so that you can avoid it. And then there's passive aggressive people. That's doing little things indirectly to show others that, that we want the resolution, but whenever the resolution comes into a confrontation so that we can have that resolution, we withdraw because we would rather be passive aggressive and lob little things over the wall because we want to punish them. We do all of these things and even more in hopes that we can continue to punish the people for hurting us. But the trouble is that all of this is wrong and actually evil. That is not how God has called the Christian to behave. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 18. Never pay back evil with more evil. Never. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Have you ever heard that phrase, two wrongs don't make a right? I've tried it. It's true. <laughs> We're called to be mature believers in Christ. And as we sit and we deal with our hurt, our desire is to try to punish others for hurting us. We want to make sure that they can never hurt us that way again. But as we go down that road, we, are, we realize that God has called us to live with a, a level of spiritual maturity that says that I will not punish you, I will not do wrong to you, I will not do evil to you, even though you disregarded me. As a matter of fact, God uh, shows us that when we surrender our right to punish someone, that he can actually begin to bring healing into our lives and into our hearts. Number three, pray for them. Ooh. Did you just feel that? Everybody was with me until we got to number three, and then it was like, hmm, nope, you have crossed the line. Kind of like that baby, right? Let go. You ready to walk in forgiveness? Yes, I will acknowledge I've been hurt. Check. Okay. Um, surrender my right to punish. Okay, I can do that. Will you take the next step? Nope. <laughs> I will hold back on to the coffee table tight, to the hurt and to the pain. Some of you are saying, oh yeah, I'll pray for them. I'll pray for them to the ground. You have these wonderfully creative prayers, don't you? Right? These creative prayers. I've known somebody that said, I will pray for them to get stomach sick. Oh my. The problem 
is that our prayers must be Christ-like as well. Our actions towards those who hurt us should cause them to see what the Lord is like, not what the devil is like. You know why? Because it's possible that when, when somebody hurts us and they see us respond instead of out of evil, out of bitterness, out of anger, if they see us respond out of love, then they can be drawn into relationship with the Lord because they see what true love and forgiveness looks like. Can I tell you that when we begin to pray for them, it's as much for us as it is for them? Pray that God gives you a chance to prove that you're his child. I would love to know that I am a child of God. Then the word of God says this. It says, if you, if you forgive them, if you pray for them, if you love your enemies, then it proves that you are a child of God. I want to prove that I'm a child of God, so I am going to pray for my enemies. And finally, number four, we must be open for reconciliation. Open for reconciliation. What a challenging statement. How can we reconcile with somebody that has hurt us so deeply physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially? How can, how can we mend the relationship in our lives? It's impossible. Just before Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he prayed a prayer over his disciples and all that would follow that would believe in the message of the gospel. Did you know that Jesus prayed a prayer over you? Jesus prayed a prayer over me specifically? As he was going to the cross, this was on his heart and his mind. John chapter 17, verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Unity. Unity was at the heart of Jesus's prayer right before he went to the cross. If it was that important to Jesus, how important should it be for you and I? Unity is the proof. It's the proof to the world 
that we are His. But remember that forgiveness doesn't always mean fellowship. Some of you need to understand that this morning. Forgiveness doesn't always mean fellowship. See, forgiveness simply means that we must let go of the resentment and the anger that we have towards the person or the people that hurt us. Forgiveness means that we let go of the hurt. We give it to the Lord. But fellowship, on the other hand, means that there was true repentance from the one that hurt you. There was a change in their behavior. Trust has been restored. And that there is a mutual honor and respect once again. Over last week, I had an opportunity to sit under the teaching of of Pastor Donna Barrett remarkable woman of God. She shared a message and inside of her message, she, she shared this, um, this resource that she received from uh, Ken Sonday from Relation, uh, Relational Wisdom 360. It's the proper steps for asking forgiveness. And I want to invite you to look on these steps with me. And even perhaps take notes or pull out your camera and take a picture of the screen. Because these are things that you and I don't just work through in a few moments, in a few minutes. These are things that you and I perhaps have been working on for a few days, weeks, months, or even longer. First, we address everyone that's involved, all those that are affected. Sometimes it's easy to forgive some people and sometimes it's way easier to ask for forgiveness for some people than everybody involved then we avoid if but and maybe statements I'm sorry I hurt you but maybe if you weren't like the way you were doesn't sound like a real apology, does it? Admit specifically what we've done. I'm sorry for this, for that thing. Acknowledge the hurt. What I did in that specific thing must have terribly hurt you. You must be very angry with me. And I understand that. Accept the consequences, such as making restitution. What does that mean? I realize that maybe you need some time. Maybe you can't forgive me at the moment, but I'll wait on you to come back to me. Alter your behavior. Isn't it something that people can ask for for forgiveness, but then they don't change the way they behave, and so they come and ask for forgiveness again for the same thing, and then they say sorry, and then it's a cycle, 
And what it really means is that they weren't really sorry. This is just the song and dance that they have to go through in order to make the relationship work right. But a real apology, a real request for forgiveness demonstrates a change in the behavior. And finally, you ask for forgiveness. Would you forgive me? Four words. Would you forgive me? And it's not a, it's not a command. It's not a statement. It's a question. It's a request. And when we put those seven things to work in our lives, you and I can participate in a wonderful miracle of forgiveness and redemption. Isn't it nice to be able to participate with God in bringing healing to another person? When you and I act like men and women of God and say sorry. But the truth is that we're all in a place in our lives, either where we're asking for forgiveness or we, or we have a hurt in our life that needs to be for, forgiven. But no matter where you are, we're all wrestling with it in some way, shape or form. And some of you have even done your very best to take every one of these steps and you're still struggling and wrestling with pain because of the hurt in your past. Psalm chapter 147, verse three, tells us that God's very nature, his very characteristic is to provide healing for the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. See, I know exactly what I need to do for my arm to feel better. But I need to be willing to go through it. You know exactly what you need for your heavenly father to both forgive you and for you to receive healing from past hurts. But the question this morning is, are you willing to take those steps with me? Would you stand with me all over this place? Will you come to him and ask for forgiveness? Will you come to him and ask for the Lord to heal the hurt in your life? See, perhaps you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor John, I want desperately for the Lord to help me deal with the hurt and the pain in my life. But I know because the spirit of the Lord is here and he's convicting me of sin in my life. And I know that the Lord won't forgive me until, until I ask for forgiveness from him. I know that I'll struggle to forgive others if I'm not right with the Lord. You're here this morning and you need God. You need to make things right with the Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Let's go to the Heavenly Father and ask Him to make our hearts right. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we pray, God, and we stand in solidarity against the hurt and the pain that we've experienced, Lord, your Spirit 
has joined our spirits and is drawing us, Lord, into a right relationship between you and us so that we may have a right relationship with others. Lord, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would cause them to make things right with you now. In Jesus' name, with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, you're saying, Pastor John, you're praying that prayer over me right now. Would you simply raise your hand so I know I can pray with you? I'm looking all around. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Looking all around right now. Thank you, I see you. Looking all around. Looking all around. Thank you. Heavenly Father, there are hands lifted indicating, Lord Jesus, that they have a desire to become right with you. Your word tells us that you do not turn away the brokenhearted. Lord, they have broken hearts over their relationship with you right now. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would restore a right relationship. I pray, God, that they would repent from all that they've done, Lord, and turn around, face you, Lord, and receive that forgiveness and redeem their lives. Lord, restore their relationship with you in this miraculous moment. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you just give the Lord a hand for what he's done right now in the hearts and lives of people? Praise God. Praise God. But maybe this morning you're still here and you're saying, Pastor John, I, I know what it takes. I want to walk in forgiveness, but I need God's help. I need to hold his hand as I take these steps. If that's you, would you just simply slip up your hand? You need God's help to receive your healing today. If that's you, just raise your hand. Hands are going up. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Yeah, all, all around. Thank you. Yes, I see you. Yes, thank you, thank you. I'm looking all over. There's been many hands that have been raised. Would you just grab somebody's hand standing on your right and your left? We're gonna go to the Lord right now, and we're gonna pray and ask the Lord to help us in our steps to forgive others. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, God, because we know, God, that you're on the throne. And Lord, we know, God, that you've made things right with us. Lord, we know, God, that you've forgiven us for so much. And Lord, that you've commanded us to forgive others. And so right now, I pray, God, that you would spiritually empower us, Lord, to to forgive others around us, just like you forgave us. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us the words, Lord, the courage, I pray, God, that you would help us to release our right to punish people. Lord, I pray, God, that you would enable us to step in the direction, Lord, that would allow us to both pray for people, to acknowledge our hurts. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would be able to be open to reconciliation because that's what you have called us to do. And so, Lord, right now we believe in miraculous moments, miraculous conversations, miraculous moments of healing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God has something great for our church when we determine that we're gonna be a church that walks in forgiveness. Let our church be a place where people can continue to find God, give hope, and do life together. God bless you this morning.